so excited to have you on. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, my name is King Jules. I represent Roundtable. We're an independent record label and creative agency based in Brooklyn. Um, been in operation for the past five years, helping develop artists, manage artists, and take them to the next level. Um, and I, we're sitting down today with Bryce Savoy um, yeah. from the West Coast, the best coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, got, I came across Bryce because of one of my good friends, Arlene. Uh, we were doing the A&R hour and she kind of told me the story about Bryce and like everything that he had going on. And I was so surprised and intrigued. I was like, no, we got to have him on live to talk about the journey, to talk about his progress and kind of let the people know who he is and, and to see who's the next mogul that's about to come out of the music industry. Nah, for sure. And like I said, I definitely, um, I remember, you know, sitting in on the A&R hour that you and um, Lean did, you know, I think last month or so. Um, and just kind of like seeing what you guys was building, like the dialogue, um, everything, man. It's, it's a great, great platform. Yeah. So I'm appreciative, you know, taking the time out to reach out and we can make this happen. Of course, of course. Um, we got some few folks in the comments. Uh, shout out to y'all for being here. Um, for yeah, showing shout out to everybody. Of course. Um, you know, we're not going to waste too much time. You know, Instagram is annoying, so they kind of cap us off at an hour. So hour. I definitely want to get into it, get into some good dialogue with you. So can you tell us where you got your start, um, your background in music, your journey? Kind of give us the blueprint. Oh, great, great question. I mean, um, so I'm, I'm from uh, East Oakland. Um, and so I've been doing the music. Really, it was my uncle. Rest in peace, Unc, G-Nut. Um, he was heavily doing his thing in the Bay Area scene. He was in a, a rap group called Dingy and also 187 Fact with Spice One, who's like a, a Bay Area uh, hip hop legend back mm -hmm. in the 90s. And so he he was our first, my first introduction to like music in general. Um, age 11 is when I first recorded my first song ever. So that's 2003. That's I'm 28 now. So that's you do the math. That's almost almost 20 years. And so he was um, he took me to the studio for the first time. And really, honestly, from 11, year, 11 years old till now, I've been, you know, pretty much locked in ever since. And so that was, he, he was the genesis of it, I would say. And then um, from there, just continue to expand, continue to grow and uh, apply what I've learned over the years. Dope, dope, dope. So you got your family roots in the music industry. Yeah. How did that kind of shape the course of what you wanted to do in terms of like sonically, in terms of, you know, the direction that you want to go into and kind of how you wanted to portray your music to the masses? Yeah, I think for me, like the main thing has always been like, I don't, I'm not the type of person that just does stuff to do it. And so as you know, growing up, a lot of the music that I was making, um, it wasn't true to who I was. Like, I was just out there, you know, talking about whatever. Like, if, if we was talking about uh, women, that's what I was talking about. Like, whatever the subject matter was, I was more so playing off of that. But it wasn't until, you know, I got older and uh, my family was instrumental in that. My mother, my father, my uncle, um, and, like, pressing me to find my voice and share my story. Like, you know, I know I have a unique story from where I come from and just all the experiences that I've had, good and bad, has um, shaped me in a way that allows me to stand out and be unique. And so I think for the longest, it was finding that voice and finding out how I wanted to present myself um, to the masses. And, and that's what I'm at now with it. And I've been doing it successfully ever since. Okay, dope. So can you talk a little, talk us about the intro, you know, the beginning stages of Bryce Savoy, you know, that yeah. first project, that first single. Um, right. Kind of walk us through what that was like in the process to kind of get there. Well, yeah. So funny enough, like you, like I said, I've I've been doing this music for seventeen years, and I had like 
four different artist names like <laughs> throughout when, from when I started till now. And so it was like, it, it's funny because people that know me know that I've always did, did music, but depending on when you met or when you come to know me, uh, <laughs> my name might've been something different. And so it really wasn't until 2017 um, that I really decided to go with myself. Uh, it was right after graduating from college. I went to Howard University, class of 2015. Shout out all my Howard fam in, in this live. Uh, but yeah, so that was when it started. Um, and when I, I just decided like, when I got home, I had graduated, you know, just really entering the real world. And so that was the first time that I um, decided to just go with my name. I was, I was finding myself who I was, things were clicking. Um, I was finding my voice and I felt, I felt like the best way to honor that was to go with my name. And, and it's crazy how it works because looking now, like everything that I've done musically up until this point, it's who I am, you know? And I, and I think before the, the thing for me, it was like a lot of the names that I had before, um, it was more so trying to build a, a persona around the music, right? Mm -hmm. But like, that's what hip hop, a lot of the stuff is based off of is people's personas, the characters outside of who they are. But for me, that wouldn't, it, it just didn't work for me, it couldn't click. So I had to go with myself and Bryce Savoy, obviously with my, you know, my real name, it, it's made sense from there. And I've been, you know, executing everything from that standpoint. I, I think it's super important that you kind of touched on like being yourself and yeah. in the music industry because people, kind of fall into the identity of who they are or right. rapper identity and they forget at the end of the day you're going to be you're still human you know when on your birth certificate that rapper name is going to die um, and on your death certificate that rapper name is going to die and you're going to be back to the person that you were born as right. it's super important to find that sense of identity as a product part of your creative process because there's so many people out here pretending and doing things behind names and ideas yeah. that they don't believe in you know what i mean yeah. um i look at takashi 69 as a perfect example you know what right. I mean? the, his his come up was super hard and super fast because he was trying to portray a life into some something else and then now we're getting a totally different picture of him and then you wonder people are feeding into that and then there's no true identity in them you don't know who he really is as a person is he playing an act you know is his music actually speaking to his life experiences but it's a gimmick. And that's something where the music industry loves to do. They like to play into gimmicks. Um, I definitely want to dive into um, definitely talking about, you know, the independence and stuff like that. But before we get into that, um, I really wanted to understand, you know, 2015 going to 2017, 2015, that period between 2015, and 2017, yeah. you were trying to find your identity as your artist and you yeah. chose to that, the identity of yourself. How right. important was finding that identity in your sound because people find an identity in a name that works for them but they don't find identity in their sound they're still copying somebody else great great that's a man that's a great million dollar question um uh i think it was everything because you know like once i found out my purpose really just in life in general once i found out my purpose everything else they started to click like it wasn't even like it wasn't even thought behind it like things were just lining up the music that i was making the music that I was writing, the lyrics that I was writing, everything was just going into, I, I had like tunnel vision and focus uh, as to know that everything that I'm gonna do is gonna be pertaining to who I am. So who is Bryce Savoy? And that's how I looked at it. If somebody never heard me before and they, their, their first song or first introduction to me was one song, I want them to hear it and know who I am and what I stand for. You know, I'm from Oakland. 
you know I'm black, you know I'm gonna represent for the community, and that's just what I'm gonna do. Um, and I can't shy away from that. So I think once I kind of figured that out and made a decision, I would say, just to lock into that, everything else made sense from there. And then, you know, blessings started to fall upon me from that point on. Dope, dope. I, I like I like that energy. Um, I definitely want to tap into um, kind of as we grow in that process, so you're finding your identity. Um, how crucial was it in terms of creating your sound? Were you a part of the production process? Were you looking for producers? Um, how did you cultivate that Bryce of Voice sound? Yeah, so it started kind of backwards, I think, initially. Um, so I, I, I call my genre, the music that I make is called uh, Intelligent Town Music. Um, intelligent, obviously, you know what that word stands for. The town is, is, is a short, that's like a slang for Oakland. So we call Oakland a town. Um, and so I kind of like felt like the music that I was making, it was very rooted in like from a sonic standpoint in a lot of the music that I grew up listening to um, from Bay Area artists or Oakland artists, if you will. And so I wanted to merge those worlds with like the level of consciousness that I had just from my experiences growing up here, but just being able to travel the world and see stuff. So I wanted to merge those two worlds. And so when I, when I coined that term in my head from there, it was like, let me find producers that will bring that sound to life. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people that I, you know, initially worked with were obviously um, producers from Oakland, people that I knew, you know, growing up and just stuff like that. And so um, from there, it was just about, you know, continuing to just expand on that and made sure as much as possible that every everything that I created fell in line with that. I don't want to box myself in. I can make a plethora type of music, but I always want to make stuff that's true to who I am and um, what I like to make. Okay, dope. So I definitely, as we're, I'm kind of going through the timeline. I, I definitely yeah, no, get full scope of understanding. So what, in this point, are you solely doing everything by yourself? Are you managing yourself? Are you doing all your socials, all that good stuff? Or are you, do you have, did you have a team at that point in time or were you developing a team? No, so I, I mean, I essentially do, I don't have a team in, in the, I guess the quote unquote uh, normal way that you would think of a team. Like I don't have a person that I go to for this, for go to for that. Uh, for the longest, it's just been trial and error, learning. Like I've been blessed to have um, people in my corner family. My, my cousin G Molly um, mm -hmm. was a, a great, great example. I learned a lot from him, like having him, he was in a spotlight um, and doing his thing on a, on a major level. So it allowed me to play the black, black background and learn from him. Um, I'm just very like always have a thirst for knowledge. So for me, it's it's never a matter of how can I get things done, but it's more so knowing like the behind the scenes, being knowledgeable on the music business was, was the was most important for me. Like I actually went to school um, when I graduated from Howard in 2017. I went to like a, a 12 week course at UCLA okay. uh, on the music business. It was called the legal and practical aspects of the music business. It was um, taught by uh, Dina Laporte, who's a attorney and uh, music attorney in LA, has her own firm. Represents like the estate of Tupac, uh, Twenty One Savage, like a, a lot of different artists. So it was literally a twelve week course of going through um, week by week the facets of the music business. And so it was like for me, as I started learning more, it was like mm -hmm. hmm, I can definitely. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to say I want to do everything on my own because I don't. But it's like I want to know or be knowledgeable in every area of the music business because if I know that. When I do have a team, I'll be able to know what they're not, what they are and aren't doing. And so that's, that's really what it was for me, just being knowledgeable and um, studying and doing the real research to educate myself on this business. Now, I think that's super important. A lot of people 
don't, and especially artists, they don't understand the music business at all. Right. Um, and going to get that knowledge, like after myself, I got my degree in music industry. I thought that was super yeah. crucial in terms of right. wanting to get in the music industry. You need to understand the different levels. And as an artist, that's a super important fact because we have artists today that are coming up right now. They don't know what the, how management works. They don't know PR. They don't know marketing. They don't know strategy. They just hear SoundCloud got free distribution. Um, if you signed up for the monthly thing or this platform is giving free distribution, I'm going to put the song out there. And then once it's out there, I'm going to just pray and hope the guy that the right person hears it. And that's not the formula. No. <laughs> and no, like not to cut you off, you know, everybody has their own, you know, to each his own. But I know for me and what I represent and what I stand for, I can't go out like that. I can't get, I can't give my, my, my blood, sweat, and tears to a business and not see uh, the benefit from it financially and mm -hmm. just you know, uh, career-wise. And so for me, it was like, I got to learn the business, period. Yeah. The music shit, that's easy. I've been doing that shit for almost 20 years, but it's the business part of it. And more importantly, it's how can I do all that I can to get myself uh the the most level of exposure in an organic way that's true to me um as possible and so that's how i always look at it man I, that's I, true I, I love it that way yeah and you you have to do it that way because otherwise you'll be like looking at a rihanna situation where she didn't know what was going on with her business at the beginning she had her accountant embezzling nine million dollars of her Dude. money and you don't know what's going on, you know? So it's super important to, to know that. So now that you have, let's kind of put the pieces together, right? 2015, yeah. you leave college. 2017, yeah. the the artist now known as Bryce Savoy yeah. was, was birthed. Um, you were connecting with producers. You're creating your own sound. Right. Now you did the education. You studied. Right. What were the steps step from there? You know, what was your kind of like blueprint and kind of guiding yourself to the next level? That's crazy. Um, it, it's crazy that you ask me these questions because, to be honest with you, um, I've been so locked in, I've been so focused that I don't really remember a lot of the details, honestly. But I will say that um, after I started learning about the business, it like gave me spaces where it could be the music business, it could be rapping, it could be listening to music. But when I get focused on something, I'm locked in for like a two, three month period or however long that period lasts. And so once I started like taking those classes. Then it started figuring out, huh, so if I'm learning this information, how can I apply? How can mm -hmm. I apply this information? So it, it started small, all right? It's just me recording music. Then from there, it's like, okay, we got the music. How can I package it? How can I market it? How can I distribute it in a way that's not the norm? Mm -hmm. And um, so from there, then we had the genesis of this, uh, you know, this independence campaign. And I released my latest project, Bryce Avoid 2 um exclusively through my website which is bryceavoid.com people came to my website they spent ten dollars with me and that ten dollars got you four unreleased songs as well as two unreleased videos so and i did you know at this point i'm over well over 160 digital downloads and that's without any that's before going to the streaming platforms and so mm, that's, that's direct yeah so that's, that's direct to consumer right and i really took that approach um obviously it's been heavily inspired by nipsey hustle and his proud to pay proud to pay campaign and so my whole thing was just trying to find something that i could do i knew i couldn't justify the 100 dollars cds and the way that he did it but i wanted to do it on my level and uh, it worked out for me so it was really just being fearless and, and taking the steps to educate myself and not taking no for an answer that's how i look at this shit honestly yeah. dope
Uh, for, for those of you guys just now tuning in, thank you for tuning in. Um, we're sitting down with Bryce Avoy to kind of talk about his journey. Um, if you've missed it so far, definitely go back and rewatch the replay of the live because um, he was dropping some fire gems, and I definitely want you guys keep to keep it going. Um, for right now, we're going to catch you up. So for those of you just now tuning in, um, Bryce Avoy is an artist based in East, from, from East Oakland. Correct. Yes, sir. From yes, East Oakland, um, he's he's out there right now. During the pandemic, they just announced that LA gonna be closed until what, July. July, into July or whatever. Longer, that's gonna be longer. So um, we're tapping tap in to talk about some things, um, especially the importance of independence and his journey. So 2015, Bryce graduates from college. 2017, the artist Bryce Savoy was birthed after many years of different personas and different musical projects, and then the journey emerged yeah. to he took on his own identity, the identity that he was born with. And that kind of birthed him to connecting, building his own sound, connecting with the right producers um, and building that journey. And he just tapped on a little thing, which I definitely want to dive in more is the importance of independence um, right. in the campaign that he started. Um, you know, we all start out as independent artists, you know, we right. all want to get to a level where we can get to partnerships or major labels, or we even want to stay independent and just do it ourselves and maintain it ourselves. So I definitely want to talk about what sparked the idea to create your own campaign and to market yourself differently than your peers were doing. Um, I mean, I, I kind of touched on it, you know, but uh, rest in peace, man. But Nipsey Hussle was a was a big, big inspiration about um, behind that. And that's something to think, like, once I... So my thing was, I looked at him as the perfect blueprint. I said, I saw what he did. I saw that he started uh, in 2010, I think, when he dropped the marathon. And then 10 years later, he took it to his debut release on Atlantic um, with Victory Lap. And of course, he was signed to a label before, but I saw the blueprint. I saw the 10 years of leverage that he built up making his campaign, dropping his mixtapes, getting his merch, the marathon clothing together, like building enterprises on top of his purpose. And so mm. when I saw that, I was like, that's that's like that's easy to replicate. Of course I'm not going to copy it verbatim, but I'm gonna take some of the same principles he taught, I mean that he laid down and apply it to my own shit. And so I was like, what's the best way to market this project? And just like a politician, you got a politic, it's a campaign. So I figured make a campaign that will allow everybody to that everybody can relate to, package that with the music and the visuals, give them an offering that they that is is well then affordable. Mm -hmm. They'll support it. People support me just based off of who I am as a as a human. And so I felt like um having them support me and and put music and put what I do behind it was a no-brainer. And so that's really what it started. It was just like it really, it really like, and that's something I want to share with everybody that's in this live. It's like it's crazy how powerful an idea is. Like literally, I had the idea and I believed in myself enough to execute it. And I didn't really once I once I put my mind on something, it's not nobody's gonna tell me that I'm not gonna do it. It's gonna get done. Period. Yeah, that's being from Oakland. That's going to Howard. That's being black. A black man. It's like that's how I look at shit. And so that was really what 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 um started it. So Nipsey Hussle was definitely a big big inspiration on it. For real. Yeah, definitely. So we kind of Nip was the 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 kind of the blueprint, the guiding light Facts. that led to 160 digital download before streaming. And Facts. for people who don't understand how streaming works, depending on your streaming platform, you're not per stream, you're not even going to get a penny per stream, right? 
Um, yeah. So you can be somebody who has 15,000 streams and you right. only see maybe $10 from that those 15,000 streams, depending on what platform, right? right? So you already bypass that kind of streaming number, 160 direct digital streams, $10 a piece, you package it up, you gave it to the people. So that already sets you up where that's I'm doing a quick math, $1,600 off of direct yeah. downloads before, before getting anything. streaming. And I have, no, don't forget, I, I was selling, I'm selling merch too. So I had, I had the independence crew next, okay. um, $30 a piece. And that came as soon as I dropped the project. So people caught merch as well. So I, I put my initial investment, I think like totally, if you think of everything, I think I probably spent close to three or 4K and I um, pretty much made that back uh just off the project just off the strength and mm. like you said about the streaming that's another thing i did i did the numbers i said how many streams would it take me to net this same amount of money right mm. so the, the the initial offering was i wanted to do 250 downloads at ten dollars a piece that's 2500 um to get that to net that same money in the streaming services for one platform i think it was apple music i had to get close to over five hundred thousand streams mm. but when i saw that i'm like Come on, man! Like, and not to you know that's that's great. The streaming is, is a is a tool. It's it's something that's just used. It's useful. I see the benefit of it. But for me, uh, I look at myself as a business, as a CEO of my business. And any real CEO or any real business owner is going to tell you the main thing, uh, of course, other than providing a service or a product, is getting a return on your investment. Yeah. So that's yeah. how I look at the shit. I'm gonna put my money into it. I want to make sure that I get a return on my investment and then some. And so that's that's how I looked at it. I mean, work. A lot of artists too, I think about is you you know, you hear a lot of these upcoming artists, they got thousands of streams on across platforms, but they're broke. There's no yeah. money. You know, they got the the all the streaming numbers, they got the followers, but there's no income coming in. And they're waiting for that label to kind of say, Hey, this is the budget. We see what you're doing. This is what you've done. You know what I mean? And I think you bypass that fact because when it comes to you going to the table and talking to them about it, you're like, I don't need this. I don't need the stream the numbers. This is what I did off of my own stream. This is the amount of money that I was being able to make. And that's super important because there's a lot of broke artists not getting a return on their investment. Right. A lot of money in the studio, a lot of money on music videos to not return on that investment. But they think the streaming numbers are great. The video views are great. That's not translating to cash in your pocket. That's not paying the bills. Not at all. Not at all. I know people, I know people, and we'll get into that too. I know people who, uh streaming millions of our hundreds and thousands of streams and still you know still still broke in a sense and you know no disrespect no not to them but it was like for me i looked at that like i, I can't i can't be me like another thing that i related to that nipsey said it was like i could never i never wanted to be a starving artist like mm. that just wasn't me I, I always felt like i could work smarter and not harder and get what i'm looking for mm -hmm. so that's the that's the principle. Those are the morals. Those are the codes that I live by, and it's been working for me. And like you said, at the end of the day, man, all of this shit for me is about freedom, mm. about being free. And look at the history of just black black people in America. We don't even ha we never even had true freedom, right? And so, I look at independence as a way for me to 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 carve out uh, a way artistically, but also just you know um, in every aspect of your life to be able to have that like apply that same mentality to every aspect of your life in order to try to hope in hopes of uh, reaching true freedom. 
So I look at this. That's how I look at everything. Definitely. And I think that that kind of where I was going into the direction I was going in, the importance of independence and you kind of yeah. express your, your freedom. Yeah. As you're growing and developing, if the conversation is to be had with a major label or a major company and they say, we want Bryce Savoy, how is important is your independence? Um, it's, it's everything. Like, again, I think it goes back to leverage. I know, like, again, going to class and learning uh, the music business, I know now what you usually give up when you sign a record deal. Usually how it works, and, and you know, everybody has, a, you know, their own type of deal structure, so it can be different. You go sign with a label, they give you six-figure in advance. You use that advance to live off of and to record whatever project you got, right? Um, but in order to get the money, the royalties back from whatever product that you're releasing that you got the advance for, you have to recoup that advance they gave you. So it's a loan and you have to recoup it, right? And then of, of course, obviously sometimes when you, when you uh, take that advance, they take your master recordings and that is an asset. So you write, mm -hmm. right in the initial, before you even do release any music, before you even say a bar on a song, you're giving up ownership. You're giving up your masters. You're giving up a sound recording. You're giving up an asset. You're giving up stuff that you could potentially pass down for generations to, upon generations. Mm -hmm. So that right there is like, okay, I, so I, I thought about that. Like, hmm. So if that's the case, how can I still do business with a major label but retain ownership? And the, the shit that I kept, you know, coming into and talking to people, it was leverage. If I build up the leverage, if I build up the track record, no matter how long it takes, seven, ten years, I don't know. I can bid up the leverage, I can come to the table not having to give that up and then not having to give up my publishing, which is a whole different like conversation yeah. get into. But that's really what it was about. It was like, how can I retain all of the assets, all of my assets and still play ball? And, you know, maybe, you know, at the end of the day or uh, five, six years from now, I'll maybe uh, draw back a little bit on my stance. But as of right now, I don't see me signing anything that is going to uh, forced me to give up ownership. Definitely. And, you know, I think uh, this is the formula I think about it is that record labels are investment banks and mm -hmm. they want their return of investment, you know, mm -hmm. um, no matter what the cost is. Or think of the record label as a big loan shark. Um, it's ironic because in the beginning of the record industry, um, a lot of the people that were in the record industry were Italians. They were part of the mob. They had control over the radio. They were pouring a lot of money. So right. if you weren't giving them their sales back, you was catching a fade in the back alley until you made them their money back, right? right. So right. with that kind of formula, it was super important to understand that, like, yes, you're signing over your masters. And a lot of people, they see the cash check. They see the $100,000 and... And then I also think that they prey on minorities in the music industry. Oh, you know, we, know we have the most exceptional talent, but you know they, they know that we have the least amount of knowledge in terms of how the industry works. So they know that most of the artists that are coming up, coming from underprivileged neighborhoods, they don't have a strong background. They can't really afford stuff. They see a $100,000 advance and then they go into the roof saying, I'm getting my mama out of their crib. I'm doing this. I'm doing that for this person, the next person or whatever. And then at the end of the day, they got to pay those streams back. And that's why you get a lot of one hit wonders, failed albums, all that good stuff, you know? Mm, it makes so it makes so much sense. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough through the grace of God to come from a middle class family. Um, 
I, I never wanted for anything. So it's like that, that, uh, you know, tactic that they use wouldn't work on me because I already, you know, had everything that I want. So money is not necessarily an issue. Of course, I could all have attained more of it, but I'm not driven by money. So it's like, if that's not the conversation, it's like, we're going to have to come to the table on different terms. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. That's where I can come to the table. I can build up enough cash, hey, enough leverage to come to the table on my own terms and do shit my own way. I don't want to have to be forced to do anything. I don't want to have to be um, uh, co co coerced into doing anything. None of that. I just want to be able to just come in on my own terms and do business the right way. Cool. So just kind of where we hit the halfway mark, a um, couple of people have joined in. Um, so if, you if you haven't caught up, um, just to let you know, this is Table Talk with Bryce Savoy. We're talking about independence, ownership, music, the journey, everything. Uh, definitely want to tap in a little bit more. I see um, a question in the comments in terms of partnerships. Um, if you do have any questions, please feel free to use the question bubble in the bottom and we'll try to get to those questions before the end of the live. So um, I don't know necessarily what direction this question is going, but have you encountered any partnerships or any partnerships that you're trying to connect with and how would you leverage those as well? Uh, I haven't came across any uh, partnership per se. I think that the guy, shout out Tone Oliver for the love. I appreciate it, bro. Um, the guy who said partnerships, I think he was kind of alluding to, and I kind of go into that, what, what a partnership means for the major label. Um, and again, that's something I learned in class too. Uh, and I think it's a different type of deals, but the main one that a lot of these artists, a lot of these um, independent labels do is joint ventures. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jules, with the joint ventures, is like mostly why it works is because it's a 50-50 split. So that means most times you, you know, you share 50% of the profits, but you also um, share 50% of the expenses. Mm -hmm. and so that makes sense when you, you know, you're driving in your own capital before the label and you're able to do business that way. But for most young up-and-coming artists, uh, we're not, you know, financially stable to be able to, to do that to make sense to do that. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. I want to get to like, I want to get to a point where I can do that, get to a joint venture, um, bring in my own stable of artists as well. And then, you know, split, split it down the middle, 50% profit, 50% um, expenses and go from there. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what makes the most sense to me right now because it's a partnership and that's really what it should be in my eyes. And then too, I think about it, right. Is that, if you've been spending all this time and money and yeah. leveraging the resources yourself, when right. it comes to doing a joint venture with a label, you really shouldn't even have to go 50-50 because at the end of the day, you've already been putting the money up, right? So yes, that also relieves some added stress in terms of trying to put the money up. But if you've already been doing it, why should I give you 50%? You know, what do I get out of working with you? And at the end of the day, Record labels need to stay relevant, right? Because nice. the artists that they work with, yes, somebody's hot for right now, but it dies out eventually. And that juice, then it goes on to the next artist and the next person you sign. And that's why you see artists, um, um, labels are signing people like every week. There's a new signee every week and it's a cycle going out because if they don't continue to do that, they don't make any money. And then there's no longevity of the label and then they die out eventually. You know, something that's crazy that I just thought about hearing you say that, and uh, I read an article, um, labels have, a, 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 you know, let's just say uh, a plethora of artists, right, on their, on their roster. They can literally, like, offer two artists, two highly successful superstar acts. They make all their money based mm -hmm. off those two acts. 
So that means like the 48 other ones on there don't really matter to them. Yes. Yeah. Two or three. And so as long as they can make money back and make money and appease their shareholders who invest in the company and you, you're indispensable. And so it's like, I'm going to come to the table on my own terms again, be able to do this with or without you. So it's none of that. It's no feeling like I have to perform in order to, you know, uh, I'm just a tax write-off at the end of the day. Exactly. It happens so many times. Yeah, so many times. I think as long as you can see your and know your value and know what you can bring to the table, the opportunities are endless. And the labels know that, right? Um, and that's why they take so long to court artists. Uh, why do you think Megan Stallion was so hot for Mal Long, but it took her a while to get signed under Rock Nation, right? Because they wanted to see the juice. They wanted to see how long she can go and what she can do on her own until they can get to that stepping point and say, okay, here, we're signing that deal. You're ready to do that, that first major project, major release and stuff like that. So I think about it that way. No, it makes sense. It makes it makes a lot of sense from it. Like you said, from a, a business standpoint, it makes total sense. But so with that being said, I'm going to make sure that I come to the table um, knowing the business as well. We're going to both know the business and I'm not going to be shorted because of my lack of education. Yeah, definitely. So I definitely want to tap into um, I love this question is who is seated at your table? And that's creatively, that's um, support-wise, emotionally, um, because as you grow as an individual artist, no matter what you do, you need a support system. Um, who are the people, the type of people, the type of personalities that you have sitting at your table? Uh, man, a lot of the people that sit at my table I've known since a kid, since youth. This is family. These are friends. These are, these are uh, brothers and sisters who have supported me since day one continue to give me ideas, continue to give me feedback, continue to give me um, constructive criticism. And so I, everybody that's around me is, is no yes man. Um, if you tell me something, if I, even if I don't like the, if I don't even like, if I don't like it or I don't, you know, um, want to hear it, I'm accept it. I'm going I'm to receive it. I'm going to respect you even more for pointing it out to me. Um, everybody around me, uh, if I don't want to be the smartest person on the team, I'm not the smartest person on the team. There's people around me that know stuff that I don't know. And because of that, I'm able to learn from them. I'm able to seek counsel from them and just continue to like, you know, do, you know, what the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. That's, that's really what I'm about. Um, and putting people in position, people help me. I help them. I provide resources at the end of the day. I want to do as much as possible to serve others, serve others, um, be selfless. Like, you know, I, I realized and just growing up and then lately, like, you know, losing family members, losing people who are really close to me. I realized that life on this earth, like the time that we have on this earth is it, it, short. It, yeah, it's man. short compared to the time that we won't be on this earth. So if that's the case, I want to do all that I can to leave a mark, leave an impact. So hundreds of years from now, people will know that I, that I, that I mattered, that I existed. That's, yeah, that's what definitely. Shout out my, my Nicole. Love you. <laughs> shout out to everybody who's just now joining in um you're tuned into table talk with bryce Boy. Appreciate um, this is great dialogue so far i definitely want to tap in um a little bit more in terms of the independence because you were talking about putting people on creating spaces for other artists um you booked your first solo tour yeah on your own you did it yeah. and you also created opportunities for other people so can you talk um tap into that and you know let the people know how you came about deciding to book your first tour. How'd you find the artist, the venue, all that good stuff? Um, 
Damn, man, where, where do I start? Where do I start? It was like, I was again, bro, you, you put around the right people, um, certain energies exi- uh, coexist, and shit just happens. Like, I was, this was like October of 2019, I was just at a bar um, with a group of, group of my friends, people that I know from college and just uh, in L.A., and they were kind of, you know, just congratulating me on the success of the Independence Project um, on Bryce Boyd 2, the rollout, everything that I did, I'm just based off of that. And so we, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting it. I'm, I'm talking. I'm listening. And we having a few drinks. And one of my homies was like, "Have you ever um, thought about putting together your own tour?" And it never like it was crazy because it never had like even entered my mind. At this point, I was just focused on releasing the project. I had a few listening parties and shit. I was like, okay, I guess you know maybe a few shows would come. I didn't even have anything planned after that. Mm-hmm. And, and literally when he said that. And he started like running down his experiences. It's like, hmm, this is doable. And then he was like, I'm like, yeah, y'all can do this. Like, I just said, yeah, I made a decision right there at that bar. I made a decision that I'm going to make it happen. And then from there, we was doing research, reaching out to different venues. And what a shout out BT Brandon was one of the guys that uh, gave me um, that insight. He was he actually showed me like a few conversations, email threads that he had with venue owners in the past. So. I just got an understanding of the terminology. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was literally copy and pasting, reaching out to venues. Like, it's so, it, it's deeper. I'm, I'm trying not to make it so drawn out because it gets deeper than that. But again, it was just one of those things where I made a decision, I had a vision, and I was going to see it through at, at, at all costs. And the world got, the world, like the universe just got out of my way. Shit was just lining up. People was hitting me back. I had artists. I already, I already been like linked up with artists just based off of, who I know. So that wasn't the problem. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of putting it together, routing it, doing all of this stuff that I don't know, man. I just learned shit. And I'm really resourceful. I'm not gonna take no for an answer. So it really don't it really like there's no other way to put it other than just I just wasn't um gonna stop until this vision that I had in my head that I saw um was executed and came to fruition. It did. Definitely. I, I think that's super important. Um because a lot of artists right now, and just in general, they don't understand that you don't necessarily need a booking agency to create show opportunities, right? No. Um, people want to get agents, they want to get managers, they want to get all these people. You can do it on your own. Um, right. It's a simple email to the venue. Um, and it's all about being logistically strong, having a strong operations background. For you, it was easy. You know, you went to college, went to do some further understanding in the music industry. So you learned, gained that knowledge. And any artist can gain that knowledge. It's a matter of putting that time and energy into it. Um, Wait, Jules, you, gotta, you, you said something like powerful. And I want everybody in this live to understand, like, you do not have to go to college, but you do need to figure out a way to get an education, whatever yeah, means you can. Because had it not been just for me, I went to college and had, uh, you know, experience in that education, that formal education world. Had it not been for that, something as simple as drafting an email, mm-hmm. like making it sound professional, make it sound like um, it's coming from somebody who knows what they're talking about. All that helped me. Mm-hmm. I structured the way I, I talk. I sound professional. I came with. Uh, the proper materials, a press kit, um, certain links. Like, I had everything together. So it was just a matter of you saying yes or no. Like, yeah, if it was definitely. based off my email and you didn't know me, you was going to like, okay, he's he, he's professional. So let me at least see. If we can't make it happen, we can't make it happen. But I, I pretty much was good on just getting responses back from all the venues based off of how I structured everything. Yeah, and that's super important, how you structure everything, because – 
I there's a difference between sending an email from your Gmail account to a venue trying to pitch them and saying, right. hey, I want to do a show this specific day, blah, blah, blah. And then you learn the formula of what you need to know, what venues are looking for. At the yes. end of the day, the venue does not care what you do, okay? You're going to make them money. They want to bring people. They want their bar to be covered. They want to have make sure that security is there. They want to make sure that they have the adequate people to run the staff for the day. So knowing all those little things and those details is going to help that person to get to that next level and know, you know what? All right, I need to know what's the capacity? What's my expectation? What's my budget? Who do the people that I need to have at the show and the support staff and all those things? Like those little details coming across in the email then the person who doesn't manage it, because remember, most venues, they got like 50, 100 emails coming a day from different artists, producers, booking agents, talent managers, all these people trying to book a show, right? And what about your email is going to stand out aside from those people, you know? That should know that. That was the key. Like, I had my subject line in place. Like, I had the name of the tour my tentative dates already. So I just wanted to, I was thinking, like you said, these talent buyers are having so many conversations. They're dealing with so many people throughout the day. How can I make their job as easy as possible? As easy as possible. So all they usually, all they really have to say is yes or no. They don't have to ask who are the supporting acts. They don't have to ask what dates are you looking for? They don't have to ask how many people can you expect to bring out? I had all of that laid out in the email. So all you had to do was look at it, Take a look at if you want to base off, off my music, listen to my music, and then say yes or no. And it worked out that way for me. Dope. I definitely want to see talk about, you know, the there's a difference in being the artist and to being the music professional that's like booking the show because at the day on the day of the show, you have to be the artist, you have to yeah. be the people running the floor and doing the right. groundwork and connecting other people. Um, right. you, especially when you're booking other artists, they're looking to you for guidance. So, can you talk me through you know what that experience was like for you? Yeah, that was a great question, bro. I think that that part of it was probably the most difficult part. Granted, we all we worked everything out, I was able to get teams in place for every venue but like you said i was focused on making sure that of course my set and everything goes right but these other artists mm -hmm. i wanted to make sure that they were good and so because of that a lot of uh the pre pre-show um stuff was catered to me making sure the sound was right making sure the lights was good making sure that mics and stuff were working like all of this stuff that typically like on a you know uh, a normal team basis and, I, and if I'm just an artist I wouldn't have to worry about that mm -hmm. but it was great learning that because now you know moving forward I know like what who I need in place I know I'm gonna have to have somebody if I'm doing a, a seven city run I'm gonna have to have somebody in every city that's working the merch table if they if a sound guy is not included I need to find somebody that does sound if a light guy is not included I need to find somebody that can work the lights like I learned so much about the inner workings of um, not just a tour, but an actual pro a show production and what it takes. And so yeah. that was the blessing of it. That's what I was able to to figure out and um, learn and kind of know what to apply for, you know, for next time. All the, all the little details that you might, I didn't necessarily think about because I never did it before. Yeah. So I didn't know to think about that shit. But as I, you know, was able to get into these different venues at these different cities, that was a lot of, this, a lot of the learning came from that. And, and it was helped a lot. What was that experience like going to, because as an emerging artist, independent artist, 
you're doing your first self-headlining tour, yeah. going into cities that you're not necessarily familiar with. What right. was it like building, getting the draw, connecting with the artists, local artists, the local city? You know, what was that experience like for you? Uh, I think it was great, man. Again, like, I can't say it enough, going to Howard, it, it blessed me and just widened my network to an extent that I just wouldn't have been able to have if I had I not went. And so prior to doing the tour, when it came uh, uh, when it came in terms of thinking about the different cities that I wanted to pick, I picked a lot of the cities based off of people from Howard in my network that lived in these cities. So I figured mm -hmm. my quote-unquote fan base uh, may not be in these cities, but I know people on a personal level in these cities. And we all know people want to support, you know, their family and people that they grew up with. So I was like, okay, let me think about it. D.C., that's a Howard connection. Definitely. I know artists from D.C. that went to Howard, so let me let me tap them in. Uh, New York, same thing. Uh, couple, I know both of the supporting acts from Howard. They live in, D in NY. There's a big Howard community in NY. Let me do that. Uh, Chicago, same thing, man. So it was just a matter of picking cities that I know I have my people, my loved ones in, and then from there, just reaching out. That was really probably, again, like a, the hardest part, having to reach out to everybody because, again, and had I would have had a, a quote-unquote team, there would have been promo in place to make sure that these people knew about these shows in every city. And because I didn't, you know, working with a limited budget, a lot of this stuff was really just texting people like, hey, I'm about to be in your city, man. Pull up on me. Come, the tickets are only $10. Here's the link. And like, oh, yes, I'll do it. Like, if they was free, they was going to do it. So yeah. it was very, very grassroots, very grassroots. And, again, it, it uh, taught me a lot of things that I will be able to apply moving forward. So I, I, I love that. And I, I definitely want to tap in because you leverage your network in yeah. a way. Um, people don't realize that as an artist and just an individual that you have social capital. Um, you that's your your social capital is how you'll see understand the bandwidth of your network, um, who you are as a person, your character, your willingness to connect with other people. Um, those characteristics all together increase your network because now the people who are in your direct network they're willing to expose you to more people because you have that social capital. So right. definitely want to talk, let you um, expand on, you know, how important, you know, networking is, um, your connections, and what do you do to build new connections as you continue to grow as an artist? Um, really, I just continue to be myself and lock into my why, like why I do stuff, honestly. Like, um, it was a book that everybody in here should tap into called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, and it kind of breaks down the main thing that like stood true to everything that I read and there's some gems in there but the main thing was like people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it right and so when I figured out my why why my purpose of doing stuff I just locked into that and I felt and I know and it's been working that people are going to people will find me like people who, who connected and, and, and believe in what I believe in and the, the, the energy the, the morals the, the stuff that I put out into the world People will find me, and it's been working that way. Like, literally, it's been people reaching out, but more importantly, I'll meet somebody and then build a connection with them, and they'll introduce me to a whole different uh, connection that I hadn't known previously. So it's really about me just staying true to who I am, um, being open with my creative process, and, and um, doing, like, just living in my purpose, living in my deepest, like, I just want to live in my purpose um as much as i possibly humanly can day, day by day and 
everything else will always work out, work out, work out that way. I'm a firm believer of that, and it's always been working that way since I can remember. Dope, dope. I, I love that. These are, these are gems. I hope everybody in this live is taking notes, understanding like the free ninety nine gems that you're getting right now um you know as we get ready to wrap up i just want to talk about you know the experience of COVID 19 and how that sh shifted your creative process and kind yeah. of sh guiding you towards what's next um i know that probably didn't made a halt in you know your plans for your next project the tour and stuff like that but kind of want to see you know what you're doing to tackle that well, yeah, no, it, it was funny, man. Like the, the first couple of weeks of, of quarantine when everything, because you got to mind you, um, my last tour stop was supposed to be on March 13th, which is actually my, which actually was my 28th birthday, right? Yeah. And so that was really when, the, when everything just hit. Like everybody was, the pandemic, people were, were scared. They didn't know what to expect. And so that was the height of that. And so we had to end up postponing the show indefinitely. So that was kind of a bummer. I ended up actually having a show in my apartment, <laughs> <laughs> which was dope. That, that was dope. And so after that, it was like for the like a couple of weeks after, it was trying to figure out, like, damn, like, what? how can I be productive in this time? Like, what is God trying to tell me in this time to um, do? Like I, like, I didn't know. I, I was really trying to figure it out. And then, honestly, man, it, I don't know what day it was, but I woke up one day. Um, I had some beats that a producer uh, actually sent me through Facebook and the, the words been writing themselves ever since, man. So I'm working on my best, my best body of work to date. That's no lie. I don't even really say that like that, but this is, it, it's coming so effortlessly. Like I can't even explain it. So I really just been working on that. Um, I, I put my uh, in-home studio in my crib. So I've been able to record and get my ideas and thoughts out, learning photography, um, man, investing in stocks, like a lot of the stuff that I didn't like, my mind was too uh, cluttered with other stuff outside forces that I didn't have to, uh, that I didn't have time to do. And now with all of this time, I've been trying to utilize it to the best of my ability for real, for real. Definitely. And that, it's super important. Um, and not to put too much pressure on yourself to create during this time. Yeah. It is yeah. a difficult time and an experience that we're not used to. Um, I, we got a question was it's how do you stay motivated how do i stay motivated uh that's a great great question um i think it is knowing where i come from is a lot like knowing that i have so many people that i come from that where i come from that are you know still struggling whether that's financially whether that's mentally whether that's spiritually and then also knowing that i was chosen um that God put me on this earth to do what I'm doing. And so any any less is disrespect to, to, to the man above. And that's something that I just can't do. And so whenever I, cause like, don't, don't get me wrong, I go through it. Like I'm, I'm human. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm just, every day I'm locked in, I'm just motivated. I, you know, I'm just a hundred percent always on it. I'm not, but it's like when I get, feel myself getting to those moments, that's when I pray more. That's when I lock into the word more. That's when I really, really just stay grounded. I'm, I'm a grounded individual. And so I look at stuff like that and where I come from, my purpose for what I do to uh, continue to, to push forward and make things happen. Wow. Dope. Dope. I, I think that was a perfect ending to this live. You spoke to a lot of really important points. 
about your journey, about faith, about just connecting the dots and doing it yourself and betting yeah. on yourself. I think that was my biggest sure. tech takeaway out of the whole experience is that you place an importance of betting on yourself, putting yourself first, using your own capital, your own strengths to kind of get you to where you want to go. And I hope that everybody who is tuned into this live, um, you take those nuggets um, and apply them to your life, whether it's in music, art, media, whatever it may be, these are perfect nuggets to kind of guide you through the rest of this situation. So I just want to thank you, Bryce. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you Bryce. do this table talk. Um, before you go, I just wanted you to kind of plug yourself, let the people know where to find you, what they need to know about you, to where to find a project, everything. This is your moment. Yeah, so everybody that's been tuned in, um, follow me on all social media, really Twitter and Instagram, that's all I'm on. <laughs> Bryce Savoy 510. My website, BryceSavoy.com, where if you want to support Bryce Savoy 2 and pay $10 for the project, you can do that, as well as independent merchants on there. Um, also, follow at the Black Neighborhood. It's a nonprofit that my brothers and I actually started in the Bay Area, and we're now in New York and L.A. So if you want info on that as well, go there. And, uh, man, most importantly, I would just say, in closing, like I said, man, I, I really appreciate you, Jules, for um, even reaching out to me to do this, man. It's like, it's inspiring to see you guys and what you're doing with your platform um, and how you're helping and serving others. That's that's important. And that's I relate to that because that's what I want to do as well. So let's continue to push each other. Let's continue to do the best that we can and um, know that people are watching. It's important. So yeah, definitely. Definitely, bro. And I appreciate you. As I, I'm always an advocate for connecting the dots and really creating a space for other people, um, for yeah. voiceless people who don't understand um, the journey and to kind of connect the dots with people who need, who can guide them in the right direction. And um, I appreciate you for those those beautiful words that, that hit me right here in the heart. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Queen um, oh, yes, from yes. Watch, Watch Her Network. Um, yeah. Please go yeah. follow her. She connected the dots on this one. Um, really great dialogue, really great talk. Super happy that you came through. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. It's been another great episode of IG Live Sessions, and we can't wait for the next one. Until then, yeah. stay Thanks. up. Take care.